Welcome to The Body Nerd Show. I'm your host, Alexandra Ellis, and after a decade in the fitness industry, I've finally cracked the code on how you can build sustainable strength without getting hurt. I'm a coach, writer, yogi, kettlebell devotee, lover of lifting heavy things, and 100% a body nerd. So stick with me, and I'll teach you how to make body maintenance and movement mastery a fundamental part of your wellness routine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back. You're listening to episode 50 of The Body Nerd Show. On today's episode, we're talking about what happens to your body when you sleep, why it's the best thing you can do to improve your health, why time is less important than the actual type of sleep you're getting, and three biohacks that are going to help you sleep better tonight. I'm joined today by Dr. Giancarlo Licata, who is a colleague and super duper body nerd who I am super excited to not only have today on the show, but also to nerd out on the regular on all kinds of things from chiropractic care to brain health to neuroscience to concussions and as we are today to sleep. So Dr. Lakata and I met a couple years ago based on a friend's recommendation, and I went to one of his interprofessional collaboration meetings where we sat around and talked about how to help patients and clients really move from you know, that critical care right at the beginning when you're working with your physical therapist or you're working closely with a chiropractor or whoever, when are you ready for exercise? And the way the group was together was a bunch of different disciplines. There was massage therapists, there were uh, mental health therapists and myself. And we were able to share of the types of clients we work with and how best to collaborate together, which is so super exciting to not just, you know, refer patients out or be referred people, but to actually collaborate on someone's care so that they have a full team. And I also really love how Dr. Licata is really like leading the charge as to how can we serve our clients better and what does that look like? And so not only is he just an awesome colleague and an awesome friend to have, but he also loves research and nerding out, as I said, as much as I do. So today's episode is super fun. We dive deep into really the science of sleep. And I kid you not, the best thing you can do for yourself and for your health today is to get better sleep. And he'll go into why it's not just how much time you're sleeping, but also the types of sleep and all kinds of things. It was a really fascinating conversation and also really interesting for me because I just recently shifted my sleep schedule to wake up an hour earlier. And I'll talk more about that on the episode. So a little bit about Dr. Giancarlo Licata. He's the founder of Vital Head and Spinal Care in Pasadena, California, and he's the co-founder of the Pasadena Interprofessional Community. His focus is on applied neuroscience, chronic pain, and like I said, interprofessional collaboration. He's a member of the National Upper Cervical Chiropractic Association, the International Chiropractors Association Council on Upper Cervical Care, and the Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine. Vital Head and Spine Care is a brain-based health practice in Pasadena, California that's partnered with the Brain Performance Center, an applied neuroscience center working with AARP Staying Sharp program, the U.S. Olympic team, and thousands of students and adults. If you need an expert on the brain, really, truly, Dr. Licata is like the closest thing that I, I have access to. And so I'm super happy that we are able to bring him on and nerd out on sleep. So are you ready? Let's do it. All right, so we are here with Dr. Giancarlo Licata talking all things sleep, which as you guys probably know is the most important thing you could possibly do. And I'm excited to nerd out to the deepest degree today. Um, so let's just start out with, what do you like to get nerdy about? Oh boy, all right, where do we start? Not so many um, things, right? Okay, so I, I don't believe everybody thinks that sleep is as important as it is. Well, they what don't, do you, but our know. goal to Our goal them. today is <laughs> to shift that to change that perspective. Um, what do you think are what do you think people's perspectives are on sleep? I think sleep, when it comes to sort of like the wellness category, sleep is the easiest place to cut corners. 
Mm. right? Oh, I'll just get up earlier and put that workout in or, um, and I say this cause like I'm completely guilty of this too, or, uh, oh, I'll just, you know, burn the midnight oil and stay up a little bit later to get this project done. I think so many things take priority over sleep when really it should not be that way. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. So, um, so I've been nerding out on, um, all things brain and brain health for over a decade because of my practice, but, um, personally over the last three years. And so I have a practice in Pasadena. We help with a lot of people with chronic pain, chronic migraines, chronic post concussion. So that was kind of, that's a big part of my life. Um, but three years ago, you know, I, here I am, I've been seeing thousands of patients. I'm a father of three. And I was realizing I was doing a bunch of things poorly. And long story short, I was like, I am going to spend however long it takes to optimize my brain. Mm. Um, I've got a long, you know, I have many decades ahead of me. Um, I have a lot of great things I want to do. I, I, I need my brain to just work better. So mm. in that course, I've been geeking out <laughs> on um, all the awesome things that are out there in the biohacking world, in the applied neuroscience world. And in, in what now they call the neurohacking world. So in that, that's the context. Out of all that, the way that my brain works is interesting. I kind of love to like extract some of like the deepest, like the, the bone broths of knowledge, right? Yeah, like, yeah. What's, what's, the, what's the deepest nutrient density in this? And what's, what are the few things that I could do that's going to like move the needle forward? That's where we land today. Like that's what this conversation is going to be about because mm -hmm. sleep is one of them. Like sleep is huge. And I used to, I used to pride myself at like not liking sleep. I was like, yeah, five hours. I've gone like 600 days and only five hours of sleep. Oh my gosh. Look how, look how awesome I am. Look how hardworking I am. Oh yeah. And well, I mean, that's so I, easy too, to be like, oh, like I'm so hardworking. Cause like, I don't get any sleep. It's like a badge of honor. It's a badge of honor. Yeah, totally. And especially, you know, we're all trying to do everything. You know, so yeah, so like you, right? you know, so I think it's pretty important and uh, I think we can dive into it and I think there are a lot of benefits that we can chat about. So for, for this conversation, I mean, the Body Nerd Show, right? We're talking a lot about healing, about understanding your body. Where do you want to start? I mean, we can, we can dive in wherever. Well, I think too, because I, in the last, not decade, but I'll say a couple of years, have tried to prioritize sleep realizing that of all the things I do throughout the day, if that foundational sleep isn't there, then all the other things like matter less. Mm -hmm. um, you know, from decisions I make, uh, also like how my body performs, um, also hunger. Like there is a reason why when you don't get enough sleep, you just want to eat cake. Yep. <laughs> like that's happening on, like in your physiology. Um, yes. And it's also the almost like cheapest and easiest thing that you can change. Right. Right. But so many people have difficulty getting to sleep. And when I tell them like, oh, you need seven and a half, they're like, oh no, I'm fine with four or I'm fine with five. Mm. Yeah. So for that person who is at that point where like they already are not getting enough sleep, like what is something like they can do to get to that place where seven and a half, eight hours on a regular yeah. basis, like feels like the right Right. I think we should start with then what matters to them, because I think mm -hmm. we can if we can access. So for me, all right, um, I need to. So I need to be clear thinking. Like I just have to use my brain on many levels. If I don't sleep well, like it will affect my learning capacity. It'll affect my, my clarity of thought. It'll affect my processing speed. Like all of these things that are important to me will go down. Like, like they are, they are scientifically proven to go down and I know it in my life. Right. Oh yeah. For other people. And also for me as well, my wife <laughs> will attest to this is our emotional regulation. Yes. Right. So the first thing is my brain, you know, functioning clearly. The second one is, am I emotionally regulated? Right. And do I feel anxiety? Do I feel depressed? Do I, am I, am I getting grumpy and angry with my spouse or my kids? Right. Am I yelling at my kids and I feel guilty afterwards because I just yelled at them and like, you know, and now they're all feeling, you know, horrible because I'm a horrible father. Right. <laughs> so like um, emotional regulation, like sleep will, will be a game changer either direction. Mm -hmm. either improving them, like either improving my regulation 
or making me more of a tyrant, right? Like mm-hmm. that's how powerful sleep is. And then the third um, for our conversation is going to be like all things like tissue healing, right? If I'm going to be spending time rolling and trying to make sure I have good range of motion in my body and I want to start doing yoga or I've got a, a rolled ankle or I have a pulled shoulder, um, if I like healing actually happens in my sleep, Mm-hmm. I'm preparing for healing with all the tools that you're giving me, but it, the healing actually doesn't occur until I'm in bed sleeping. Mm-hmm. And that's something for me, I was like, whoa, that makes total sense. And I never thought about it. I thought of healing like some kind of ethereal thing that just kind of occurs. Right. No, there is a time and a place when that happens the most, right? Yeah. So, so what actually happens when you sleep? <laughs> like, yeah. Let's just start there. <laughs> um, let's pick one of the three and then we can dive into it. Which, which one do you want to uh, explore? Let's start with inflammation, um, okay. specifically for people who you know, have chronic pain or are yeah. trying to heal um, and just really maximizing the opportunity to address inflammation in their body. Okay, so um, real briefly, there's always, we should always frame inflammation like either acute or chronic. Typically, acute means inflammation in the first day or so. Chronic is anything pretty much after that. Like that's the oversimplified version. And acute inflammation is good. It's Mm -hmm. very good. it's, It's what stimulates healing. Chronic inflammation is what we all hate, right? So here's the thing. Every night of poor sleep, and poor sleep, we're going to define it in a little bit, every night of poor sleep will systematically increase chronic inflammation. That is terrifying. It's terrifying, and it's (laughs) true on on every level. And so... There are, and so a lot of what we call inflammatory chemicals are things like interleukin-1 and interleukin-6 and all kinds of different cytokines um, and TNF. These are all different types of inflammatory chemicals. All of them become worse when we're sleep deprived. And sleep deprived, we're going to go into, but pretty much it's going to be any, not just the um, quantity of sleep, Meaning, mm-hmm. do I have eight hours versus seven hours or versus five hours? But also the quality of sleep, like how much deep sleep versus REM sleep versus light sleep, right? All those matter too, because I could still get my nine hours, but it can be only certain types of sleep. And I may still be in the next, the, the whole rest of the day and for, and for the next few days afterwards, I'm going to actually have chronic inflammation that's going to be higher because of that poor night sleep. Yeah. The tracking I'm doing on sleep is with my Fitbit. And I know we were talking about how maybe it's not that accurate, uh, but it's a good place to start. And I've noticed too, you know, the amount of time in bed matters less than, you know, how much time I was able to get deep sleep or REM sleep. And the nights where it's like all the lighter sleep and I'm not getting that deep sleep, I feel just as exhausted as if I hadn't slept the night before. Totally. Right. So here's an example right? If I've worked really hard in my shoulder, my shoulder girdle is now, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling sore. Every time I go to the gym and I lift my arm, I'm feeling that, that tightness or it's getting inflamed and I have to stop working out. I can roll, I can stretch, I can, you know, do all kinds, put creams on it. But if I'm not getting good sleep, it, there is no time for my body first to heal. And second, because I'm going to have chronic inflammation the following days, um, that inflammation is what, keeps, is what keeps this thing feeling as crummy as it does. So it doesn't resolve, mm-hmm. right? Like, and that's, that's, that's the frustrating part is I could be doing all things right. right. right? I'm following everybody's advice to a T and I'm not healing right? When Mm -hmm. maybe the missing piece is this sleep. And if I bring this piece in, now all of a sudden it's it's a game changer, right? And so for me, it's been that way personally, but then that's why we'll talk about more stuff like this and how health is going to help others. And what about cortisol? So like, you know, stress hormones that I know just from, you know, I'm sitting in front of this giant computer screen and lights are on, like cortisol is in your system, even if like on a conscious level, you're like, no, 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 I'm not that stressed. It's still there. What happens to cortisol levels when you get good sleep? So cortisol is going to be a little bit interesting. And I I probably know the least about cortisol. So I'm going to try to share what I know. 
all right? And then we'll talk about it. In general, cortisol by itself is not a bad thing. So for instance, let's think about different cycles in a day, right? If we have good sleep, what we want is we want to have very little cortisol when we're sleeping. Mm -hmm. Now, but what we want is when we wake up, we want a burst of cortisol Mm. because our cortisol should be highest first thing in the morning. Interesting. And so, um, and then what, then, then there's going to be a natural cycle through the rest of the day. And so I think it goes down at a certain point. I, if I remember correctly around that three o'clock, I was going to say three o'clock nap time, you know, (laughs) I want to reach for the Snickers and the Milky Way No. Um, (laughs) um, and maybe get another coffee. That's usually a, a typically lower part of our cortisol cycle right? And then ideally, if I remember correctly, um, it should then have a little bit of a jump around five or six and then should really settle for the rest of the evening, right? And then the nighttime. The challenge is that this rhythm, this up and down, this cycle is what gets disrupted, right? And so Mm. if my cortisol is already high in the morning, but now it's high, you know, even at three o'clock, so I'm busting up a bunch of caffeine to just keep going. And then I still got to keep working late until seven or 8 p.m., and then I get home and I'm watching like scary movies or something exciting to kind of get Fear through. of the Walking Dead. I hate right, that show. Fear of the Walking Dead, <laughs> you know, and I'm all, you know, ramped up. And then at night, I, I got to finish out and knock out a couple more emails and maybe I got to finish a project or I got to Just gotta you study. talking about this is making me feel right? like stressed so, out. Yes. And, so, and so now my cortisol has been high almost all day. There's been no natural rhythm. And now I want to sleep. And so now what happens is that I've got all this cortisol still in my system Mm -hmm. through sleep. So it disrupts my sleep, which increases my inflammation. But now the next morning, I don't have any reserves to have another burst of cortisol ready to start the day. So part of that is why I wake up feeling groggy and so on. And there's other reasons for it. But, you know, Mm -hmm. that's another aspect of the cortisol cycle. And again, if we understand that there are these natural cycles in a day and night, and that our different hormones, different chemicals should be higher in certain times, just naturally. That's just the rhythm, right? Yeah. We're in rhythm. Um, we throw it off. There's, we're going to have all kinds of consequences. So that's cortisol. However, this is the irony, is that cortisol actually decreases inflammation. What? <laughs> right? And so... Um, and so, so it's not by itself a bad thing, right? right? Which is why if we've got some kind of autoimmune issue or we have too much, too much inflammation in our body or our immune system's attacking ourselves, um, you know, we'll get a, a cortisol injection. Oh, right? okay. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So, so uh, or cortisone. And so it will inject cortisone into a region where we want to break that inflammatory cycle. But right. even that, having too much or, you know, the frequency of injections, doesn't that start to deteriorate right. the joint itself? Yes, right. And so that has its own side, its own effects, right? right. So, so the whole point is, is to understand that, you know, again, certain things are good, but they're mm-hmm. good in the right time, the right frequency, the right dosage. And, um, and there's an inherent wisdom in our body that when connected with the cycles of nature, um, gosh, we work really well. Right. Yeah. So when we zoom back out, sleep, there's these natural cycles that nature goes into. We have evolved to be in tune with those cycles. And when we break that, we start getting out of balance. Right. And we go out of balance and it affects everything. Right. So so now and this is the this is the thing. So what happens when my cortisol has been high in the morning, high in the afternoon? You know, I've I've pumped it with full of caffeine or gotten stressed high in the evening, high into like, I'm going to bed at midnight, right? Every right. night. Sounds like a travel day. It sounds like a Changing travel day. It sounds time time like zones. The first, first eight years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or oh travel my gosh, day for yeah. sure, you know? What happens when I'm doing that over time consistently, consistently, consistently? Well, what happens is um, my body's ability to produce cortisol starts getting affected. Mm-hmm. I can't produce. I didn't have my natural produ- produce it. Now let it go down and produce it. I'm just producing, 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 producing. After a while, my body's capacity to create cortisol goes down, which and is so, like adrenal fatigue, right? Adrenal fatigue, and and so and so, you know, certain people now that is part of their physiology is their body's like, look, I'm done. I'm shot. I yeah. can't keep up this pace, right? 
Yeah. So part of that for adrenal fatigue is get your sleep. I mean, it's going to be an, an, a key ingredient to your recovering is get back into the natural rhythm of your days and nights and get back into sleep. Right. Yeah. And I think the important thing to understand too about sleep is there is no injection, no pill, no substitute for what happens like on a cellular level when you sleep. Right. I know, you know, like sleeping aids, people think like, oh, like it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. You're just like unconscious for seven and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these processes that you're talking about and the recovery and repair and regeneration that happens does not happen happen when pharmaceuticals are involved. Right. Correct. And so um, probably in the next few minutes, we can actually dissect the different stages of sleep. And then we can kind of understand um, why certain things affect certain stages and what happens in other stages. And so, I mean, if you want, we can dive into that now. Yeah. Let me share a story because we were talking about this. Um, So in the last, I guess now it's been a month, I shifted my wake time about an hour and 15 minutes earlier. So I used to get up at like the alarm would go off at 630. I would get out of bed about 645 and go about my day. And I decided to start getting up at 530 to just shift my whole workday to be more in sync with my husband because I was wasting time at the end of the day doing dumb stuff on Instagram, waste of time. (laughs) And so the most interesting thing, I mean, it's all these things we've been talking about too. The first week I was exhausted every Mm. single day because part of, you know, the rhythm of the hormones and like when you get sleepy and all that stuff hadn't quite clicked in yet. So I still was only getting tired at like my old bedtime of Mm -hmm. 11 o'clock and then still forcing myself up at 5.30 and my body was like, please stop. So naps every day for like the first week were- Oh, is that right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And just like 20 minutes, like super short. That was fine. And then I met up with you and you asked me about dreams and I actually had written down in my journal too. They took about 10 days- I think to come back because there was, you know, a weekend in there. I did try to keep it close, but I think I slept like way past my wake up time. But because your dream time, so that REM sleep, which we'll talk about comes later in the morning. It's like there was this lag time of when, you know, like my body was getting up because I was artificially forcing it awake and like everything else took a minute to kind of catch up. And now dreams are back, but I'm still waking up in the middle of dreams, which Mm -hmm. I feel like, I know I'm, again, you were telling me too about like the genetic, uh, the amount of time you're supposed to be sleeping and all that stuff. I'm totally screwing with it all. I used to wake up like before my alarm went off and I know I'm not getting enough sleep because I keep getting woken up in the middle of dreams. Right. So let's talk about those sleep cycles and all of those things and the transition process and like what that is all about. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I had to shift my whole cycle to actually sleep in later. And so, yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's, let's dissect it really briefly then. So if we say on a, like a a horizontal line is going to be sleep quantity, right? Mm -hmm. How many hours total, right? And then we're going to have a vertical line of the quality, like what stages of, of sleep are we going through. On the horizontal line, I'm just going to say this. It, it's not just how much sleep we get, but also do they start earlier in the night? Do they end later in the morning? Where, where, if we say eight hours is good, where does that slide rule go? And is it equal for everybody? Right. Right. Okay, so if eight hours, do I go to bed at, if I go to bed at eight and I wake up at four in the morning, is that technically the same as going to bed at 11 and waking up at seven in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm um, spoiler alert, it's not, right? No, like, oh, no. <laughs> um, and in that horizontal, there's certain things, like certain terms we're going to say, like, how quickly does it take me to fall asleep? Mm-hmm. How many times do I wake up in sleep? right? Am I waking up three or four or five times a night? And then, you know, for for our conversation, am I waking up um, refreshed, ready before my alarm clock? Or am I waking up like, again, in the middle of my dream? Like I've got a huge comforter over my head, (laughs) trying to like poke through my my (laughs) eyes so I can see what's going on. You know, so do I feel like I'm underwater when I wake up, right? So that's on the horizontal. And those all those matter. Right. And then there's going to be on what I I call the vertical, which is going to be the different stages of sleep. And so 
in general, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I don't get this wrong. So I'm going to look up what I, what I wrote down, but I was fascinated to find out that it's not just like sleep and dream sleep, that it's more complicated than that. Right. Yeah. So effectively, if I remember correctly, I'm going to look it up and make sure they basically break down sleep by the brain waves on an EEG. So mm-hmm. when they, when they, when you do a sleep study, some people that have sleep apnea say they'll go and like sleep in a hotel room and they hook them up with a bunch of wires and they're literally measuring the brain waves and throughout the brain as well as our, our, over our eyes and over the muscles in our, in our body and our jaw. And so um, it seems like there's four stages of non-REM sleep. Oh, this is even more than I thought. There's even more. And then oh my gosh, REM. this just keeps getting more complicated. And then there's REM. And REM sleep is like the dream sleep, right? And REM sleep is the dream sleep. REM sleep stands for rapid eye movement, which is like literally when we're dreaming, our eyes are, are fluttering back and forth, side to side, up and down. It's, it's almost a little bit freaky. Like we'll see our kids doing it and you're like, what's mm-hmm. going on with this child? <laughs> yeah. Um, They're possessed. Yeah. Um, and some amazing things are happening in that. And so, um, but yes, that's REM sleep is dreaming. It's when we're dreaming. Um, and is it your body totally paralyzed yeah. when you're in dream sleep? For most of us, there are a few people who have something crosswired and they don't paralyze and literally they'll start enacting. They'll, they'll jump out of windows and they'll, oh you know, gosh. fall off their beds and run across and into their, into their bathroom doors because um, their, their brain doesn't forgot how to shut off those body. But yes, the body right. the muscles are paralyzed while our brain is, is basically reliving and reprocessing a lot of the stuff we've been doing. We've, we did the Whoa. day before, right? Okay, so now there are, there are different sleep organizations. <laughs> one, of them has, one of them has four non-REM stages. Another one has three non-REM stages. I'm going to use the American Association of Sleep Medicines. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll and, link to this in the show notes. <laughs> okay, and... Um, and they basically have a five total, including wakefulness. So there's, I'm awake. Then I have non-REM one, which okay. is I'm relaxed, wakeful. Okay. Then I have stage non-REM two, which is light sleep. Then I have stage non-REM three, which is going to be big. We're going to talk about that, which is deep sleep. Okay. Then we have REM sleep. Right. So now, they're giving categories to like that that moment before you fall asleep, where you're like almost there, and then you twitch yourself awake. Like yes, that's what stage technically, one. Yeah, yes, that's N one. It's it's still like a you're. It's almost like that twilighty thing. Yeah. Um, yes. And what's interesting is that we will cycle through non REM one, two, three, and REM. So those four N one, N two, N three REM every 90 to 110 minutes. So Ooh. in a given eight, the night, we'll probably cycle through those about five times, five or six times. Mm-hmm. Right? And ideally, right at the end of that last 90 minute or 100 minute session um, is when we then finish our REM and we go right back into, instead of going back to N1, non-REM1, we finally go back up to waking and our brain is like, ha, ah, Good. All right. I finished. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, now what do we got? I'm ready for the day. Which right. is also why if you take a nap beyond 20 minutes and fall into that <laughs> sleep cycle, yes. like you buckled in, there's no getting up for 90 minutes. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I'm, and I'm the worst. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like, like, oops, that turned into a two and a half hour nap. My bad. Yeah. And I am ruined for the rest of the day. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So, you know, what's interesting is um, all stages are important. Ideally, we should be go- cycling through all four of them every 90 to 100 minutes. And ideally, we, ha- we should have enough time in our sleep to have about five cycles or sometimes six even, right? That kind of sets the stage, right? So now, okay, well, so, so what? The other part that's going to be interesting is it turns out that some of us are genetically wired, and this is this is what this is the part you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that it turns out, based on many multiple studies and multiple papers, and now multiple books have been written about it. Um, one of them is great, called by um, a, a PhD called Sachin Panda. He's out mm-hmm. of uh, Salk Institute in San Diego. He wrote a book called um, "The Circadian Code," Ooh. and it's really based on our circadian rhythm, and that genetically. 
some of us are wired to actually go to bed earlier and wake up earlier. We're just genetically wired for that. And um, some of us are genetically wired to go to bed later and wake up later. Mm-hmm. And, and then an- another big chunk of us are somewhere in between, right? And so that matters because let's say you, Alex, are wired to be a little bit more of a night owl. Like you naturally may cycle into sleep around 11 p.m. And so eight hours from then would be 7 a.m., right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What that means is that if, um, if that's your cycle, and you, you get your same eight hours, but you shift them back or you shift them you know, earlier, you will probably rob yourself of a lot of the important periods of sleep during that from 5.30 to 7 a.m. Right. Now, what's interesting is that what I didn't tell you is that we go through these five cycles, but what's interesting is that in the first cycle and second cycle, we tend to have more of a proportion of deep sleep in that. So... In, in my first two cycles, I'm going to have a higher percentage of that deep sleep where you cannot, you could kick me and I won't wake up, right? <laughs> and typically, um, the last cycle or two, so cycle four and five, is when we tend to be very heavy in the REM sleep. Mm-hmm. So if I'm still getting eight hours, but I'm shifting earlier and I'm waking up at 5.30, I'm going to actually still rob myself of a disproportionate amount of the REM, even though I still got eight hours. Right. Because my REM wasn't ready to kick in until a certain point of time in the day. Yeah. And that is from that whatever for you. Maybe it's 5.37. Maybe it's like, you know, or 5 <laughs> to 7 or so on. That's huge. And again, we want to say, well, I'm just going to shift it. It turns out. <laughs> you mean I can't control it? <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> It doesn't cooperate, right? So yeah. anyways, for whatever, for whatever that's worth. Well, and you know, it's so fascinating too that your brain keeps track of time. So that's the other thing. Like you can't trick yeah. it into just like, oh, I'm just going to change this. What is it like the super chiasma nuclei? Isn't that what it's called? Yes, the super chiasmatic nucleus. Okay, that's yes. close. Um, yes. But that's the thing in your brain when you're like, hey, I have a flight and I got to get up at five to catch it. And you wait, you do not sleep through that alarm because you wake up a thousand times throughout the night. You're like, is it time? Is it time? Is it time? Because right. your brain knows what time it is. Yes. Even if you're not like looking at a clock, you don't need a clock to know the time. Yeah, it's, it's independent of our, the, uh, the lights, the time, the clock, all of it, right? Th- they discovered that it was independent because a researcher and his assistant literally like locked themselves in like the, one of the deepest caves in the world for like a month to mm-hmm. track their sleep cycle so that they were, it was independent of any light. Like there was no light in this place. It was like place. a miserable and study to be a miserable part of. Miserable <laughs> study. But everybody was like, wow, that's fascinating. Like it, this is independent. This is deep at a cellular level, which already blows my mind. Like how mm-hmm. is it doing that? Like what's mm-hmm. going on? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so now we can throw off this inherent genetic cycle Mm -hmm. by the foods, by the amount of lights, by our body temperature even. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is when we get into the so what's, like what can we do and go into tools? Um, Because the very things that we can do to screw up our sleep, we can use those same tools in a different manner to actually optimize and improve our sleep, right? So, um, So while we have this inherent cycle, we can throw it off all the time, which is what we're all doing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, and it's, I should say, it's been interesting too, for me, this whole experiment of like being able to play with stuff um, and test things like melatonin or CBD before bed. Um, Or I even started in the last like week doing therapeutic tremors before bed, the TRE exercises, Uh Mm -hmm. because otherwise I'd get in bed and have to read a book and, you know, wait till my eyes start crossing. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm tired because otherwise like I'm just too amped up to go to sleep but like four minutes of therapeutic tremors and I literally crawl into bed I'm asleep in like 30 seconds and get more of that deep sleep than I would if I'm spending so much time like just waiting to fall asleep you know right 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 yeah and so I'm already like wanting to geek out about all the things that we could do Um, yeah go for it well let me let me tell you two things let's talk about each stage in particular right so deep sleep and and why why do we want deep sleep because part of part of me says okay well what can I get away with not having 
right? Like, yes, okay, yes, yes. let's see, how can I, how can I, you know, which one's the most important? And I'm just going to do that one. Right. Um, <laughs> so um, in the biohacking world, deep sleep has been like the one, like they're like, we need to optimize our deep sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, what's interesting about deep sleep. So from a tissue um, repair and growth conversation, there was a study that showed that 70% of growth hormone. This was with men, but I think it's probably pretty close with women. Mm-hmm. 70% of growth hormone is released only in deep, in deep sleep. sleep. And growth hormone, remind us, is responsible for... So growth hormone is literally responsible for growing stuff. So like if, if I'm a kid and mm-hmm. I'm not growing, right? I almost guarantee, like, no, if they're just genetically not going to be tall, that's one thing. <laughs> yeah, if, hey, man, I've been brother, waiting to grow for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, if, if the siblings are, are growing pretty tall and this, and this one child isn't, I would say start looking at that child's amount of deep sleep. Mm, right? Yeah. Um, but also, if I want to work out and I want to get buff and I want to get strong, right, I want to build muscle which is Mm -hmm. what we call anabolic growth. That anabolic building of my muscle isn't when I'm working out. When I'm working out, I'm actually, I'm actually tearing Tearing it down. Yeah. But now that I've torn it down, my body's now waiting for deep sleep is when it will then start putting it back together, growing the new muscle. Right. And, and be, and then, you know, and going through all of the process of growing new ligament tissue, growing new oh tissue. Yeah. Right? Like it is in deep sleep that this occurs. Right. So, yeah. No, I was going to say, I think too, of all the ways in which we try to mess with that, yes. <laughs> um, you know, in college, I was working as a student athletic trainer. Um, so very closely with the student athletes who yeah. would essentially had like a full-time job as an athlete. Then they also had to go to class and they also had to be in the weight room at six o'clock in the morning. And like, where is sleep? Right. You literally cannot perform at your highest if you're not getting that deep sleep. And there was recently an article I can't remember where I got it, but also about the NBA and their schedule and the amount of travel they have to do and how that impacts with their sleep. And like literally their body is the product. They should be prior, like giving them a schedule that allows them to prioritize sleep, but that doesn't make money. So, Um, well now it does. And actually there are a lot of, we can go into it in a little bit, but um, now most pro sports teams have sleep consultants. Ooh. Or sleep coaches. In the beginning, it started with, I think it was actually in Europe, um, with some of the pro soccer teams, that they were the ones that on the kind of the forefront of this. And now, but now um, most uh, pro teams have, like now they regulate their sleep, they regulate their body temperature when they sleep, they're regulating their diet before sleep. I mean, they're, they're really taking it seriously because, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the science is just overwhelming. So now what's happening, and this is what's fascinating in the performance world, is that for the longest time, you know, everybody's just performing really, really high, and there were very little margins. Everybody's fighting to get that mm-hmm. extra, like, 1% mm-hmm. to be, you know, the difference between Kobe and Shaq or, you know, or right. whatever it is, you know? Right, right. Now what they're realizing is, oh, my gosh, there are these huge margins we haven't even begun to look at, which is the recovery and sleep part. Because if I only have to work maybe sometimes 60% is hard, but put some of that extra energy into recovery. Now all of a sudden that 60% just gets me that much higher, right? Because I'm not working out all the time when my body hasn't recovered from the workout before. Yes. Right? I'm not going to, like, I don't want to, I don't want to get injured halfway through the season. So if I'm not getting enough good sleep, then I know I'm, I'm priming myself for injury for my ligaments and tendons. And so let me get better sleep. And now all of a sudden my, my injury rates for my whole team are going down. Right. So it's like a game changer for them. Yeah. Well, and that's such a, you know, like a a restructuring too of this idea of recovery that it's not just like your rest day of sitting on the couch and foam rolling, but like literally every night when you go to sleep, like that is your recovery to prepare you for your next day of work. 
Correct. Absolutely. So yeah, and, and that's and that's the game changer. I mean, it's that it was for me. So so again, if it's in deep sleep, that one of the key key things that's happening in deep sleep is maybe seventy percent of growth hormones. Maybe with women, it's sixty sixty five. Um, well, it turns out it, always you know, going to be different. <laughs> always going to be different. But um, you know what's interesting is that after our twenties our growth hormone just starts plummeting, right? In our 30s, we have way less growth hormone. In our 40s, I'm 42, you know, way less. Imagine by the time we're like in our 50s, 60s, 70s. Now, I have clients, I'm sure you have clients, you know, they want, we want to stay active in our 70s. We want to mm-hmm. stay active in our 60s. We want to still look good. We still want to work out. We want to do those things. Well, if I'm producing a fraction of my growth hormone, and my sleep is so disrupted, now either I have to take on some extra growth hormone, which has its own complications, mm-hmm. or what if I just optimize my sleep better? Mm-hmm. Right? What if I can track and look at specifically my deep sleep and then find hacks and tools and then look over the next month and see what interventions did I do personally that got me from 20 minutes a night of deep sleep to now 50 minutes a night to an hour and a half, maybe two hours, right? Two hours. Is, are people getting two hours of deep sleep? I feel like I'm being cheated. Yeah, oh my gosh. Can. I need to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's the point, right? Yeah. Um, and actually, and, and so there's another study I'll, I'll, uh, I pulled up here, I'll send to you. But again, it's, it's growth hormone is what stimulates collagen synthesis right? Mm-hmm. So tendon, skeletal muscle, it's that collagen stuff yep. is what, like, it's growth hormone. You need it. Like, yeah. So I roll until we turn blue, right? <laughs> no, don't. That's bad. <laughs> okay, don't. But like, you know, we can yeah, roll yeah. We can do all these things. That's not when healing occurs. Yeah. We're priming ourselves so that when we sleep, the recovery is going to be that much smoother, right? So deep, growth hormone, huge. Another thing that is with deep, I, I have to mention it. I know we're, we're, we're not going to go into too much, but we discovered about maybe five, maybe seven years ago now, um, a whole nother system in our body. Like, you know, we talk about our circulatory system and our, and our digestive system and so on. We discovered another system called our glymphatic system, right? So glymph is with a G, not our lymph, right? Though it's connected mm-hmm. to our lymph. It turns out in deep sleep and deep sleep only, our brain and spinal cord, literally the glial cells, which are the kind of what we thought were kind of these like accessory cells in our brain. We always thought the, the, the neurons were everything and everything else was just kind of nature just or God just forgot, just <laughs> said, oh, I forgot to get rid of those guys. Well, those are just bonus. turns out these glial cells, yes, in deep <laughs> sleep, our brain goes into a certain rhythm. And it's, and which is why they call it slow wave sleep. And it goes into zero to three beats per second. And that tells the whole brain, the glial cells to actually shrink like a sponge. And it pushes this fluid that our brain is always floating in called the cerebral spinal fluid. It, it pushes the fluid from the inside through all the tissues into the outside of the of the brain and it basically is like the plumbing it cleans out all of the metabolic waste of our brain from from using it all day long right so it pushes it all the way out and then it drains it out through the neck into our our lymph system in our neck and then out into our body now what it's getting rid of is basically all the the metabolic crap, but these key things called beta amyloids and and other types of amyloid plaques. These plaques are what are, they're basically what Alzheimer's is made of. Right. Right. And so it turns out that, that if we are not getting sufficient amount of deep sleep, we are not able to clean out our, the plaques from our brains every night. And if we're not able to clean out the plaques from our brains every night, maybe not today, maybe not in a week, but as the months and years go on, those plaques start building more and more and accumulating in our brain. And that is, and specifically in a region called the hippocampus. And in that region, that is when we look at an Alzheimer's person, they'll look at their hippocampus and it is filled. It, it's replaced the active neurons with all of these amyloid plaques sitting there, right? Whoa. And so one of the most powerful things we could do to prevent Alzheimer's. Go to sleep. Is get deep <laughs> sleep, right? Not just any sleep. Right, right. Sleep. 
but it's the deep sleep that's that's probably that's one of the biggest things right so and that's wow. usually the first couple hours of the night is when we're going to get the most of it for us right so yeah if i'm an early riser then i need to be getting that deep sleep if i go to bed too late i've missed that window mm-hmm. right yeah and vice versa so um, and it, right. it's so interesting too though like speaking like if i go to bed too late how that is the part that your body kind of like oh we don't have time for that and yet it seems like such a super important piece of sleep like yeah but I mean, there's, yeah. that's also, there's just, you know, whether it's deep sleep or the REM sleep or light sleep, like all of it is so important. And it's, it's just all like, important. give right. your body the time and space to right. do its thing. Do its thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so then I'll, I'll run briefly through the other two and then we can I'm go into all kinds of things you can do to, to help this. So, yes. So the light sleep that we talk about, we used to think, ah, I don't want the light sleep. Forget about that. It turns out that's important. Any athlete or any, anybody who needs to create muscle memory memory, muscle learning, um, movement learning, right? A dancer learning new steps or a basketball player working on their, on their free throws, whatever you're doing. um, What we understand now is that we go through the process of practicing during the day and our brain will keep learning and integrating that for at least 24 hours later. Mm -hmm. And what we found out is it's not just any 24 hours. It's actually that it's that day and the following night during light sleep that our brain starts re it basically replays those motor movements so that when we wake up the next day with a good healthy night's sleep we we actually continued and extended that learning process mm-hmm. and if we don't sleep like you're like back in college where your <laughs> athletes are you know burning the midnight oil well they're trying to learn some kind of skill set right whether they're you know softball players trying to work on their pitch or whatever it is, they rob themselves of that night, of that night's learning. Now they got to go back after the next morning and then they got to go practice again, right? Like what if they just had great sleep? Maybe they wouldn't have to practice as much and they'd be getting better. Well, even all nighters, (laughs) literally the worst thing you can do for learning and your brain. In general, right? So right away. So you got that. Okay, then lastly, quickly, REM sleep. What's interesting about REM, it's good for many things, but it's actually where most of our emotional processing is happening. Mm. So part of the times when we're like fighting during our dreams or mm-hmm. we're now sometimes we can get stuck in loops. There's PTSD stuff going on. There's maybe even other things that are out there almost like on a spiritual level with dreams. But what we do know is that a big part of our dreams are actually the brain literally replaying the emotional drama of the day before. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's replaying to actually start to starting to integrate all of what was happening into the rest of our being. Right. And so when we don't have sufficient amount of REM sleep, oftentimes we are going to be more emote. We, we haven't had time to emotionally digest yeah. the events of the day before. We, we argued with our spouse. Right. Somebody cut us off or somebody, you know, threatened us and, and we were in fight or flight and we couldn't get rid of that feeling right? I don't know why I can't get over this. This feeling is just in me, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it seems like in REM sleep, a lot of that stuff is going on and we don't want to rob ourselves of that, you know? Mm -hmm. From an actual book learning, this is what's cool. In the hippocampus, we we kind of think of it like a a USB drive, like a thumb drive. Mm -hmm. It turns out that if I want to study a little bit before, you know, this podcast, and I want to read a bunch of articles on, on sleep. Well, if I had poor sleep before, then this USB drive, so let me, let me just take a half step back. This USB drive has only a certain amount of data I can collect, mm-hmm. which means and what's interesting is that we have a certain amount of learning capacity we have for today. Right. Now, if I didn't have good sleep before today, I didn't get to clear out in REM sleep, upload all of the data that I used from yesterday. And so I don't have a fresh USB stick right. to put new information in, right? And so when I learn something, I need to have great REM sleep beforehand. Mm-hmm. And then I want to, I filled up my USB stick while I'm learning today. And now it's tonight that I'm going to upload that USB stick and it's going to then try to reintegrate that all my today's learning so that tomorrow I'm ready 
for the next thing and I can actually take a test or give this talk or whatever it is. And so that kind of USB stick metaphor is powerful because here we are going, oh man, my, I've got brain fog. I'm just not able to learn anymore. It seems like I, you have to, I keep, people have to keep repeating things over and over again. You know, like sometimes if we just got better sleep, Mm-hmm. We'd have more capacity. And it's not that we have dementia. It's just that we've had a constantly filled USB stick that's never getting cleared out because we're robbing ourselves of REM. Sounds like my iCloud drive. <laughs> there you go. Right? It's always it's full. It's always full, right? You just got to pay more money. That works. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just no, uh, no, it's true. That's so fascinating too. But like, again, like as we started this conversation, the best thing you can do for yourself on multiple fronts is to get more and better quality sleep on a regular basis. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, and we don't have time today, but to talk about how this affects, you, you mentioned appetite and cake. Mm, <laughs> if we have some cake in the sleep, fridge right now. If we have, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> come on, share the love, you know? Uh, <laughs> if we don't have enough sleep, it makes us more prone for um, impulsive eating. Yep. And I always get them confused with it's, it's Lennon and Grenin, ghrelin. Um, it actually increases the amount of ghrelin, this kind of interesting chemical in our stomachs that actually increases our appetite. Mm-hmm. Our appetite increases with poor sleep, mm-hmm. right? Like, come on, are you kidding me? I'm trying to lose weight. I'm trying to fight myself. And if I just had better sleep, I wouldn't have to fight as hard. Yeah. Right? Like, that's huge. And I mean, all of these points too, if you're like listening to this and you're overwhelmed of like, oh my God, there's so much stuff. I think the important thing to take away is learning to better listen to your body and what's coming up so you know when you need sleep. So for example, if I have a day where I'm like, God, I'm just like so hungry today, I can't catch up. I'm like, oh yeah, I got really bad sleep. Or also one of the telltale signs for me is if I feel just like overly emotional, that's because I've been missing 20 minutes here a half hour here, but over like a week long period mm-hmm. and it finally catches up. And then I'm like, okay, I just need to go back to sleep and get better quality sleep. So just, you know, be aware of yeah. things that are coming up that it could be, and most likely is related to the quality of sleep that you've been having over the weeks prior. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to start with all the, the reasons why sleep is important. Cause what we want to do is honor first honor that sleep is deeply valuable. Mm-hmm. and that I'm not robbing myself of these other parts of my life, I actually will do all of those parts of my life better and easier if I just honored the sleep window in my life, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, yes, you're right. Then once I really grasp in my being how valuable that is, then yes, let me start to feel this. Let me, mm-hmm. let me start to see that these things may be connected, right? Mm-hmm. And then, then now it's like, okay, well, what can I do? What else can I do? And that's yeah. where, you know, we wanted to go into is like, it, you know, there are many things that, that we can do. And this is, this is where I'm going to try to simplify it for us. Um, but we can go into the bushes if we want. <laughs> is that not what we've been doing for this that's whole right, conversation? That's right. I know, totally. <laughs> um, so, so again, just to frame it, if sleep is really valuable, you know, we want to honor it and we want to understand that it's not just how long the different stages, then also what can we do to shift it? One, I would mm-hmm. say probably find out, am I a morning riser? Am I a night owl? Am I like, you know, they have, they have different names that, you know, just, they call it a morning lark versus the night owl versus something else. There's another book that's written like, are you a dolphin or are you a bear? Like, I don't know what that is. What, you know, whatever it is, um, <laughs> find out, read one of the books, Sachin Panda's book, The, the, the Circadian Code is great. Uh, there's another a book by Matthew Walker called Why We Sleep. Yes. Brilliant, brilliant guy. It'll uh, also put you to sleep if you need help. It can. <laughs> <laughs> it can. It's a little bit dense. But the whole point is that um, first understand what even the general timing is for you. Mm-hmm. Because I think that otherwise we're trying to move the needle working against our inherent makeup. Yeah. Right. And so some of us don't have a choice. Some of us have to get up early. Some of us have to, you know, we, we work late jobs. That's that. We'll work that. Okay. So first thing is find out what's my natural rhythm. Second thing is, um, I'm going to say this. I think that a great investment is a sleep tracker because I think that we can then tailor what we do based on what is missing. Yeah. And so I've mentioned to you personally, I think there are two great sleep trackers out there. One is um, the Aura Ring, and uh, another one is called the Whoop, W-H-O-O-P. And we'll link to all this. 
Yes, and, and, and by yeah. we, I mean I. <laughs> yes, 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 thanks. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Um, those are really great because not only will we be, be able to see like, when did I go to bed versus how long did I sleep, but also how much deep sleep did I get? Yeah. How much REM sleep? How much, you know, um, superficial sleep and so on. So uh, I think that we should, we should track it then. Okay, now what? What do we do? Working with our circadian rhythm is really powerful. And so there are different things that will, that will move the needle. Light or darkness, which is, we can say one or two. Our body temperature, right? And then also part of it is our inflammation, our acute inflammation. Okay, so Matthew Walker spoke a lot about this also in his book. So light, it turns out that the color of light is not just a color like blue or green or orange. They're actually um, wavelengths that that trigger certain um, sensors in our eyes that then go directly to our brain and they start to they, they start to affect that suprachiasmatic nucleus. So blue light early in the morning tells our brain, ah. It's daytime. It's kind of, this. It's time for us to be awake and alert and ready. And so, getting about th- you know thirty to forty minutes of blue light first thing in the morning before we get on our phones, before we you know just get our coffee and go sit outside on the front porch. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's cloudy outside or bright outside. It doesn't matter. We're still getting enough what's called lux, enough light power that goes right to our eyes and will trigger our brain to say, ah, it's the beginning of the day, right? Mm -hmm. And that anchors it. And so then it starts to kind of work its way backwards and say, well, based on that, we should start getting sleepy around a certain time. Right. Right. And so then the opposite side of that is that then what we want to do is start filtering out blue light somewhere around 5, 530, right? Because we don't want to artificially keep telling our brain, it's day, stay awake. But now right. it's, it's 6, now it's 7 p.m., now it's 8 p.m., it's 11 p.m., and we're telling our brain, it's daytime, right? Like, no, the brain should be saying, wait a second, this is, it's now time. It, so the absence of the blue, after about 5, 5.30, it also tells the brain, ah, okay, it's time to wind down. Right now, so what do we? How can we do that? Well, one is avoiding um, the blue lights from our screens. Right? But don't also just like light bulbs give off some of the blue wavelength. Yeah. So um, most LED lights now have a huge amount of blue light in them. Mm-hmm. Um, now a lot of the car headlights when we're driving oh, yeah. boom, have blue light in them. Um, a lot of the overhead street lights have blue light in them. And so uh, what a lot of people are doing now is they're wearing um, blue blocking glasses. So mm-hmm. they're usually either like a yellow color or an orange color or a red color. And they're putting on these glasses about 5, 5.30 p.m. Um, to just generally filter out as much blue light as they can. Right. Yeah. And you can get, cause like, that was another thing I changed is I got a pair of new prescription glasses that have like a blue light filter on them. So they say, cause they're not like blue or orange they're just like regular glasses. Yeah, and you, You'll filter out some of it. Yeah. Right? Technically you can filter out a certain amount with the clear ones, a little bit more with the yellow, more right. with the orange, the most with red. Right. Right. So just so that we know how much to filter out. But mm-hmm. yes. So so the whole point is like if we just started doing that, we're telling our brain it's time for sleep now, right? Like mm-hmm. it's nighttime, rather than telling it to stay awake. Okay. So that's that's the one is light. Um, two is actually body temperature. This is kind of cool. It turns out that in order to get um, deep sleep, in order to get sleep and not have a lot of wake ups during the day, another big key factor is actually our core body temperature. So ideally, our core body temperature should be about two to three degrees lower at night Mm -hmm. than it is during the day, Mm -hmm. right? Now, that can be challenging when it's August in Southern California. It's 115 outside. We don't have air conditioner. Or sometimes the opposite because of the heater in our homes. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, it's 60 degrees. And oh, you know, let's, let's crank up the heater to 82. You know, and now it's 82 degrees and we're toasty in the house, but Mm -hmm. we're we're actually going to rob ourselves of of being able to get that deep, that core body temperature low enough to get deep sleep. So that alone may be a simple hack, right? Yeah. Just lower your your thermostat and just have another blanket or something. Be be on the colder side than on Mm -hmm. the warm side. Yeah. 
And isn't it also um, your body temperature cooling helps to trigger sleep? So if you take like a warm shower or warm yes. bath before bed, right? That's another yes. way. So that's another cool hack. Is that yeah, um, actually taking a warm or hot shower? makes our blood leave our core and goes into our, our arms and our hands and our skin. Mm -hmm. And so, and then we walk out of the shower and actually our core is now colder because mm -hmm. of the hot shower. Right, right. So it, it was hard for me to wrap my head around that. And so, yeah, so if we can take a hot shower, hot bath before, before we go to sleep, then that should also help us reset, which is cool. Right. Mm. Then uh, the last thing for you, for you and your, your listeners as well, which is going to be huge, is that exercise. It turns mm. out that acute inflammation seems to be really good because it actually activates sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm always super sleepy. Yeah, <laughs> that so, night. Yeah, yeah, that night. And so, like a great workout, maybe not in the evening, but maybe in the morning. Um, let's do that. Let's get a great workout. Get a bunch of inflammation going. And then that night, our body's like, whoa, all this inflammation, we got to repair. Let's just shut down and go into repair mode, right? Mm -hmm. And actually, it's why when we get sick, it actually triggers our brain to sleep longer, mm -hmm. right? If I'm fighting a, a, a cold or a flu, yeah. oh, man, all I want to do is bundle up in the covers sleep. and just sleep, right? Well, that's part of my body saying, yeah, let's recover. We need to, we need to turn this down. So those are the three lights body temperature and inflammation are all big, big movers of our sleep, right? Interesting. Okay. So I had this idea today and I don't know if it exists because I'm thinking of like alarm clocks and stuff. Do you know of any tool that will wake you like 30 to 45 minutes before sunrise and it's dynamic and changes with the sun? Because it's, I think it's a million dollar idea no, here. <laughs> it could be a million dollar idea. It could be. But remember, it may, that's the sun, but it depends on your cycle. Right. And maybe you need to wake up maybe, a, like for me, um, so I, like one of the ways you'll know, like it's like, how, how do I know? Am I a morning lark or am I a night owl? Like go on vacation for a week. Just go on vacation. <laughs> wake, go to bed when you want yeah. and wake up when you want. And when I, I'm, I was on a sabbatical, and so when, what I realized was I'm going to wake up whenever the heck I want to get up. I was almost consistently between 7.45 and 8 a.m. Mm. Every single day without exception. And I used to get up at 5, 5.30 almost every morning, right? And so that was a game changer for me. Body has spoken. We will not get I, up early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I know I have a lot of homework now to go sleep better. That is, though, I'm telling you, I think it's a million dollar idea. And I feel like there's got to be a way to get Google or Alexa or one of those to like wake you up at the right time. I think it exists. I th it probably does exist. It probably does. But we need to listen better to our body and to our biology and respect all of that is the moral of the story. And I'm still trying to push harder and hack that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard to break. I get it. I know, it. I know. I get um, it. So do you have any, uh, other than the tips you gave us, do you have like, what's the best place to start if I had to pick one thing right now to get better sleep tonight? Find out your sleep pattern. Okay, so we all need to go on vacation. No, I'm just go kidding. Just turn off the alarm so and see right what Right now, go on vacation. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, because all, every other hack will be dependent on you rather than hacks that are dependent on, on that are going to actually work against your own rhythm, right? Yeah. So that's the contextual answer. But otherwise, you know what? Just take a hot shower before going to bed and get some blue blocking glasses. Okay. Easy peasy. Amazon, Easy peasy. here I come. That's right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to get super nerdy on sleep. I know this has been a conversation I've been wanting to have. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and Vital Head and Spinal Care and all the awesome stuff that you guys are doing with neurofeedback? Yeah. So um, our website is vitalheadandspine.com. So four words. And um, I don't do too much social media, but I'll tend to post nerdy brain things on my Instagram page, which is Dr. Giancarlo Licata. So just Google that and I'm sure you'll find it. And I'll share all kinds of good nerdy things with you. This is all true. I tried to talk him into social media, you guys, and his eyes got really big. I don't know My that's going to happen. <laughs> you can see the glossing happening. Yes. That is true. Well, let's just, let's just all, let's sleep on it and we'll see what we decide tomorrow. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. 
Holy guacamole. Didn't I tell you that that was going to be awesome? And I hope you were able to take notes. You might need to go back and re-listen to this episode to pick up on all the stuff we talked about. There was stuff in here that was totally new to me as well. So I'm excited to re-listen and absorb new information. One thing that Dr. Licata wanted me to mention is that he also helps people with challenging sleep issues, stress management, and brain performance goals at Vital Head and Spine using state-of-the-art brain training tools. I've seen them. They are super, super cool. And if you want to significantly change your sleep game, you can train it using this next generation in neurofeedback and sleep tracking. So if you're interested in that, head on over to vitalheadandspine.com for more details. So I'll link that in the show notes as well, or you can just head on over to Vital Head and Spine right now. But honestly, my jaw was dropped for most of this conversation, and I'm just so happy to have him share his expertise and the research on sleep so that we can all sleep better tonight. Because sleep is the best thing you can do right now to help you reduce pain, to help improve your focus, and really to help you perform in your workouts and your life. So if you choose one thing to improve upon in the next couple weeks, one thing to focus on, you should 100% be focusing on sleep. So I want to know, what are you going to try first? Is it the warm shower before bed? Are you going to get light blocking glasses, exercise? Let me know by sending me a DM or you can tag me on Instagram. I'm at Halafamala. Or you can call the Body Nerd Hotline at 818-396-6501. Now, we don't have like a phone bank of people answering. It's just an inbox, but I'd love to hear from you. And before I go, all of the show notes, all the links that we talked about, all the references that Dr. Licata mentioned, free downloads of Body Nerds Group, everything lives over at aewellness.com slash podcast. And thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I hope that you got some fun movement in as you listened or at least have something planned. Even if it's right before bed, I'm down with that. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you never miss a thing. And you can even head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, which helps other body nerds find the show. Or you can leave a review on your favorite podcast platform wherever you're listening to this today. Or even better, just share it with someone who needs to hear it. Share it with your mom. Share it with your neighbor. Share it with your training buddy. Share it with your teacher. I don't know. Just share it. So here's to asking better questions, moving more, and getting super nerdy, very nerdy. (laughs) Thank you for helping me spread the word that your body is super cool and you, my friend, can change the unchangeable. I'll talk to you next week. Pain stops you in your tracks and body work is one of the fastest and most effective ways to deal with it. I've put together a free PDF with the six places you need to roll right now for quick relief. Plus, the reason why what you've tried so far has only given you a temporary fix. So whether it's back pain, plantar fasciitis, neck tension, shoulder pain, or tight hips, I've got you covered. And when you download it now, I'll also send you some video demos to get you started even faster. Head on over to aewellness.com slash bodywork, that's B-O-D-Y-W-O-R-K, to get started today.